In terms of attracting referees, we're very fortunate in that we don't have to do anything. Right. They are coming to us of their own free will each year. Of course, we, we send advertisements out to the clubs. This is when our, our next course will be. But there's no real push to have to get people to register. In fact, right. we're pushing people away because we're getting too many. Oh, wow. So in that regard, in football, uh, for officiating, we're very lucky. Can you send some over swimming's way, please? I can try. <laughs> I can try, but there are a few things swimming needs to do. Welcome to Swim.Rocks, the show that shares ideas, information, and inspiration between swimming people who stay dry. My name is Lachlan Van Tempest, and today is our final episode on our Young Official series. And as any swimming person would know, is that you should have a strong, experienced person to anchor your relay. The anchor leg of our 4 by podcast relay is Toby Williams, a technical official and president of the Manly Warringah Football Referees Association. A lot of you would know Toby from technical officiating around pool deck, being a prior guest on episode 31 of Swim.Rocks, or perhaps you have been refereed by him on the local football pitch around the Northern Beaches area. Toby and I chat about what swimming can learn from soccer, including mentoring, payment, and pathways. Enjoy. G'day everyone and welcome to this episode of Swim.Rocks and today we've got a bit of a double header and not because we have two different people but because we have a very special guest who is not only a swimming official but also a referee of football, the world games, soccer, whatever you want to call it. It is a warm welcome to Toby Williams. Toby, how are you mate? I'm well thanks Lachlan, how are you? I'm well and Toby, uh, you are the president of the Manly Warringah Football Referees Association. How has that role been so far? So far, so good. A few little challenges last year in my first year, so a bit of a baptism of fire. But otherwise, uh, like all my other positions that I've enjoyed over the years, it's been very enjoyable. And now I just mentioned that you, you, you are a swimming official and you've been involved in swimming for so long. How long have you been involved in swimming? Well, if you consider when I became a, a swimmer myself, since I was about four years old, but um, as an official, I think I did... In those days, it was called you did your general principles first before you could go on to do your other technical qualifications. And that would have been 2009, 2010. So close to 10 years. There you go. Wow. And and we also mentioned off there that you were a life member of uh, Warringah Aquatic Swim Club at such a young age. How did that come about? Well, it was was a great honour for me to receive life membership of Warringah Aquatic. It, It had been such a big part of my life for a long time. I moved there from Carlisle when Kalani Heights was renovated a long time ago. And um, I think I first started helping at Friday Night Club when I was about 14. Eventually I got on the committee, aged about 14, and um, did 10 years on the committee in a range of positions, including president for about four years before I retired. So um, I was there for a long time, put a lot of of effort into the club. Um, I think I could say the club is there because in, in large part, not solely, but in large part to my efforts. And it's, it's, it's great to see the club doing so well and um, to have that honour. It was wonderful. Yeah, wow, amazing. And, well, I guess, you know, helping out at club night and, and, and being on that landscape at age 14, you are the perfect person for this podcast series that we've been doing. We've been chatted to a netball umpire. We've chatted to two swimming officials. And now we've got uh, a double dip in, in, in you, Toby. Now, Toby, let's get into uh, soccer refereeing. Why did you get into soccer refereeing? You know, it was so long ago that I can't really remember because (laughs) I've been a soccer referee since 2008. 
Now, it may well have been because my friend was doing it, or it may well have been because my mother told me to do it. <laughs> I certainly didn't have an interest in soccer because I, I didn't play. I played rugby league, uh, following after my father, who was a league player. But um, it's been a wonderful 13 years as a referee, and, and I love it. Um, but as for remembering why, I really can't remember. Too long ago. Well, yeah, we, um, we've had a couple of... Uh a couple of people on the show who actually know we just had Lauren Bird on the show, who was our, our first one in our podcast series. And, and she was saying one of the reasons why she got into netball umpire was because her friends were in there. So that is a very, very common factor that we don't really see in swimming. Uh, moving on, Toby, what do you enjoy about being a soccer referee? Well, I'm quite a good referee. So, you know, to go out there and do a good job on a weekend and walk off with the satisfaction that you, you've done a good job and controlled the game and, and given the players a safe environment in which to joy, enjoy their favourite sport yeah. uh, is very fulfilling. That being said, over the 13 years, I've made a hell of a lot of friends and not just with other referees, but with the teams, the coaches, the players and the spectators who appreciate what you're doing most of the time, not all of the time. <laughs> Soccer players are renowned for being the biggest whingers on the planet. <laughs> But um, you're also out there running around in the sun and you're getting paid for it. The pay to me is just a minor benefit, but um, all in all, it's just a very enjoyable activity. Well, we're going to get on the pay in a little bit, but before we ask that, you just, you just mentioned that soccer players are the biggest whingers on, on the face of the planet. So besides the whinging, what do you not enjoy about a soccer referee? I don't enjoy getting abused, <laughs> which, which generally will occur at least once in probably every game you're getting abused by someone or yelled at. Um, I think soccer still has a long way to go. Football, I should call it, has a long way to go in terms of how that behaviour is, is reduced and eventually mm. stopped. I know in some districts they have what is called a silent round where during that weekend spectators, coaches, they're not allowed to say a thing right. at all, uh, I think, for fear of being punished. Uh, it's not something that we have in our district. We have particularly in the Premier League competition that I referee, a very strong and competitive competition. So in most cases, the stakes are high, but probably more needs to be done to try and stamp out that behaviour. Certainly we as referees cite people, yellow card them, send them off uh, when is required and the association backs us up in the judiciary. But I think a greater involvement of the clubs in terms of regulating spectator behaviour is necessary. Yeah, and I think like you, you see when you're watching football games online, uh, on on your computer, on TV or wherever, and uh, over in the Premier League, you know, and the players, you know, go right to the ref and get in their face or they pat them on the head and all that. You know, in NRL, bang, you do that, like march 10 yards like or 10 metres. You know, that's what it is. And it's just such a different dy dynamic from what you see in NRL to, to A-League and EPL and, you know, the Bundesliga and all that. Um, just on that, how do you deal with athletes who are frustrated or angry uh, or simply rude? You, you said you had the cards, but but when does the line between a slur and verbal abuse get crossed? You know, when is a jab too far? It's it's hard to explain. I mean, you know, and it, somebody is sent off for saying something offensive. I mean, what you consider offensive, another referee might not find offensive. I try not to get to that point. In 13 years, you know, I would have issued probably less than 20 red cards. So I've been fortunate that I haven't had the occasion to do it. But if I can talk to them, calm them down, I'll do that before getting too card happy. I'll go over, listen, don't do that. What was that? You know, settle down, let's move on. Yeah. And try and diffuse the situation that way without having to resort straight away to getting the card out. Yeah. It only upsets them all. If you be reasonable with them, 
yeah, they're likely to be reasonable with you. Yeah, yeah, I guess that's a good way. You know, if you are in a in a yelling match, people just want to get higher and higher and higher in volume and 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 whatnot. But yeah, if you can approach it in a in a in an appropriate manner, then it definitely diffuse the situation, as you said. Now, moving on, Toby, you know, you, you are the top dog there at uh, Manly Warringah Football Referees Association. Uh, tell us a bit about the pathways of soccer re- refereeing. You know, fr- from the start, some kid says, I want to be a soccer referee. Where do they begin? Well, it's all quite an easy process. It, it's different to when I started in 2008 um, in terms of the course delivery. But nowadays, it's simply a matter of registering with our association to do the course. I believe now the course is, is a one-day event. Um, they're presented, the laws and other associated documents, you know, everything that's required to know as a referee. And then they do a practical session, learning how to blow a whistle, how to give someone mm. a card, how to hold a flag. When I started, it wasn't delivered in a day. It was delivered over five nights consecutive, right. I think one night a week. Right. And getting away from that and giving it. So they just have the one date makes it a lot easier for people to schedule rather than having to schedule the five dates. So it's a fairly easy process to become a referee. And we're seeing a healthy amount of young referees registering to do that entry level course each year, which is terrific. And And then they go and do their first game and we provide mentoring to them on their first games to ensure that nothing goes wrong. That's been a big success. Well, that's something that we are talking about in swimming right now and on our, on our swim.ross community page is, is the importance of, of a buddying system and a mentoring system. Uh, the podcast that just came out as we're talking right now, it's coming out right now uh, with Lucy Graham talks about her relationship with, with Dave Cooper, who's a, who's a, um, a senior referee. Lena, uh, Lena. Yeah. Um, and the ability to have that mentor um, and also for the mentor to have an apprentice, you know, improves them both in their both different rights and and ways. Yeah. Which is incredible. Um, Now, Toby, how does your association anyway uh, encourage players to become referees? Is it just by social media or advertisements online or is it word of mouth? uh, Or is there any other way that you encourage young people to become referees? In terms of attracting referees, we're very fortunate in that we don't have to do anything. Right. They are coming to us of their own free will each year. Of course, we we send advertisements out to the clubs. This is when our our next course will be. But there's no real push to have to get people to register. In fact, we're pushing people away because we're getting too many. Oh, wow. So in that regard, in football, uh, for officiating, we're very lucky. Can you send some over swimming's way, please? I can try. <laughs> I can try, but there are a few things swimming need to do. Yes. Um, that I have been talking about for some years mm. to attract young people to yeah. the sport. Yeah. All right. Well, let's get on to the, uh, you know, the payments and the pay debate. From your experience, how much do the youngest referees get paid? You know, is it, is it per game? Um, and is there a, ma- a minimal amount of games that they have to do per day to get paid? No. So at a minimum for a new junior referee doing their first games. If they're doing under 12s, they'll get around $28 to referee that game. Wow, right. Just two 25-minute okay. halves. So you're there for roughly an hour when you factor in halftime. Now, that's yep. pretty competitive when you compare that to what they'd earn an hour at McDonald's. Yeah. They're out the back flipping a burger. Yeah. Conversely, they can be out on the field running around, uh, you know, displaying their leadership, getting that exercise, and it's a big difference. Now, in refereeing the higher your referee the higher the pay yes it's pegged to the level you're at 
And I think as a Premier League referee, you get about $66 for the game. Wow, right. If you're an assistant referee, which many juniors are in their first uh, little while, then they're getting half of what the referee gets. So say on an under-12s game, they're getting $14, which is not right. a huge amount, but um, it all adds up if you're doing X amount of games over a weekend. Mm. And so, it's still an incentive to keep going further and further and progress well, your refereeing skill. Absolutely, it is. Yeah. And it's so, not a, it's a competitive figure. As I said, when you compare that to McDonald's or other fast food restaurants, it's rather a good amount of money. And also doing what you love as well, you know, you know, being involved in a sport and, and getting paid for it. It seems like a pretty sweet deal. So certainly is to me. <laughs> and the proof is in the pudding. It is to many juniors. Yeah. Um, so in swimming right now, you know, people volunteer their time to, to help run a swim meet um, and, and officiate. Uh, now, obviously, soccer, you know, like most local swim meets, you have your club members, uh, you know, help run a barbecue and other food stalls and help you know, set up goals and corner flags on the weekend. But if soccer referees were not paid and it was all volunteer work, do you think you would see a drop in referee numbers and would it be dramatic? Oh, it'd be hugely dramatic. You'd be lucky to see any referees at all. Yeah. Um, whilst refereeing is, is an enjoyable pastime, it is also a very challenging pastime. And you do cop abuse and you do cop some rather unfortunate situations at times. Just last week, one of my referees was threatened in a oh, game. Wow. So I don't think people would do that job for free. There would yeah. be some diehards that are happy to get out there and really love their football. But uh, no, if you weren't paying people, you would see an absolutely massive reduction in the amount of referees. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I guess, you know, that's one way, you know, and probably one of the biggest ways swimming is going to attract young, young people is that money incentive and that ability to go down to a weekend, maybe earn 50 bucks a day or something like that, you know, minimum, uh, rather than wait till they have kids, their kids are swimming and then one of them goes and helps time keeps. And then they're in their thirties becoming a technical official. Um, I know that's still, you know, a young age, but yeah, exactly. But you know, as we've been talking about that lands, that age landscape between 20 and 30 year olds, there's almost no one in there. Uh, and, and as life gets busier and uni and relationships and, and moving out of home and whatnot, it's going to be more difficult. But as I've said on this podcast before, I've said to my mates, uh, who are in their twenties, uh, you know, they're starting to, to build houses getting engaged. You know, I said to him on the weekend, if there was, uh, you know, money and you could earn 50 bucks a day, would you head down to the local pool and uh, help officiate a meet? And they said, absolutely. So it is a definitely a big issue. The money is the underlying factor. Yeah. You want to get swimmers involved when they have that, when they have the interest in swimming, like I did. And I no longer swim. I haven't swum for some time, but mm. I've lasted a long time as an official. I'd, granted, I don't do as much as I used to do, um, but I still do enough of it that, that it's regular. Yeah. And becoming a technical official complements your swimming. Yeah. You have a greater understanding of the rules. So mm. I think, you know, you, you do need to get them in there early while they have that interest rather than, as you say, having that delay when they have their own kids, which could, could be some time later mm. before they, uh, and that's not necessarily then because they have an interest. It's because they're there. Yeah. They might be forced yeah. people to be signing up of their own free will, not yes. necessarily they have to. Yeah, absolutely. Money is the absolute underlying factor. And I've been saying that for a very long time. I wouldn't do it for the money. I, I enjoy being a swimming official. Mm. I recognize that they're long days, but it's always been something I enjoy. Mm. 
as is the same for many swimming officials. And I think swimming has been fortunate in that regard in that you've had a group of people who do it for the love of the sport and don't expect money in return. However, that's a different generation. Yeah. We've got a new generation coming through now who are busier. There are more demands on their time. Mm -hmm. They have to have two jobs to, to keep up with the cost of living and they don't have the time to volunteer. Exactly right. In the sense exactly. that people previously could. Would it be an idea, Toby, for, you know, we talk about young swimmers, you know, getting into technical officiating, you know, early on. Let's say a swimmer at New South Wales Metro uh, has the 100 fly and it's like the third event of the morning and then maybe a 200 free and it's the second last event of the session and there's a five-hour gap. If we were to incorporate a shift-like system where it might be you get paid for every two hours or something, would it be an idea for that person to swim the hunter fly, swim down two hours here in the middle to officiate, get paid and then come swim again? Is that an idea that swimming New South Wales or swimming in general should take on board? Oh, well, I wouldn't write it off as an idea. It's got mm -hmm. merit. Um, I'm not sure the logistics behind it in terms of organizing yeah. it, but um, you wouldn't necessarily say no. I don't know what coaches would have to say about this. <laughs> well, yeah, it would, it would have to be under a coach discretion. I reckon you'd have to get your, your coach to sign it, just say, yeah, that's all cool. Carnivals are all day, six hours. Mm. Um, and that's a big ask of people's time. Yeah. Isn't it? So it's not like yeah. going and doing a couple of games of soccer. But um, why say no? If it's going yeah. to give people that introduction to officiating, then it's worth it. We had no... Uh, when I started first started doing state meets and and I recall I received a state award back in 2010 from swimming New South Wales I was the young official and I've discussed this with Ben in a previous podcast uh, nowadays there are more but there are still not enough that it's going to be sustainable mm, exactly right as as Lucy Graham said you know if we don't get this young pool of technical officials now where's the next generation going to come from that's right um, it's, it's not just that that in itself is a problem it's not yeah. just the underlying factor that um, people are being asked to do it for free for no money. But at this point in time, there's no other pull factor because you've got no friends doing it. If you had a group of young people that were there already and people could see, all right, my friends are doing it. If I go to a swimming meet, I'll be doing a job, but I've got my friends there at the same time. Mm. Then that will work. But mm. we haven't reached that level yet. No. And that's the difference with refereeing, you know. So many of my friends referees, so many of other people that are looking to become referees have friends that are doing it. You have that pull factor. We don't have that in swimming at this time. Exactly right. Exactly right. All right, let's move on from the pay debate because we could be on this for ages and ages and ages. Uh, let's talk about that mentoring, that buddying system, that relationship between you know a senior referee and a junior referee. When you first became a soccer referee, uh, did you learn? from other senior referees. We know you were talking about the linesman and, and most of the time the senior referee is the, the guy in the middle and the junior is, is out in the wing there. What was the conversation, the relationship like between the senior and the junior referee? Back then we didn't have an official mentoring system. Right. As such. I was fortunate that I had a neighbor, a family friend who was a referee at the time. And I remember my first game was up at Terry Hills Oval mm. and he picked me up, took me to the game. We talked about, things in the car on the way there. We blew the whistle a few times as a bit of practice and he stayed for my first game. Now I was fortunate to have that and I've remembered that ever since. When I became president, we further refined our mentoring system that had been developed over the previous five years, perhaps, to 
cover almost 100% of first year referees, those incoming entry level referees mm. on their first games. Mm. So close to 100% of those referees had a senior mentor there, but not necessarily senior in terms of age. It could have been anyone from 16 upwards, but an experienced referee there on the sideline, greeting them before the game, staying for the whole game, having a debrief after and then providing a report mm. and answering any questions. That's hugely beneficial in officiating football because if it's going to go wrong, it'll go wrong on the first game. They'll get abused yeah. by some idiot parent and then they won't come back. Yeah. And they're lost to it. You know, they have one bad experience and they're gone. Mm. Fortunately, when unscrupulous coaches and managers and spectators see that senior experienced referee there on the sideline, they're more reluctant to engage in behavior that's, that's going to be frowned upon. And they, so, I guess they kind of see that, you know, that it might be one of their first games because there is that senior referee there. And they cut them a bit more slack, as they should. I mean, they should do that anyway. There's no referee that goes out onto a pitch to have a bad game, you know. Mm. Same thing, no starter steps up on the platform and says, right, I'm going to get someone for starting before the starting signal today. You, you go out and do your best job. And people should recognise that always, but they don't. So... That mentoring system, and it's proving just as successful this year, basically we have a spreadsheet, all the games are there. The mentor group logs in, has a look, puts their name, allocates their own name against uh, the junior referee at a time that's convenient to the mentor, and they mm. go up and do it. That's proven wow. to be hugely successful. Mm. That's incredible. And, um, yeah, like I think that is probably a way that swimming could go. We not only because it will give them experience of, of the rules and regulations and, and also like a technical official coach in a way, but also the social interaction between it. You know, as I said uh, to Lucy last week, you know, it, it, it was, she said it was great, you know, that, that Dave knew people and, and could lead her in the right direction so she could get to know other people. And also I guess it kind of bridges the gap between the two generations. Uh, okay. Yeah, so that, you know, the culture doesn't become, oh, technical officiating is just an, a senior person's, uh, you know, job or, or, or volunteer time. You know, it's, it's everyone's communal. And to, to, as I said, bridge that gap. I think that's very important in swimming, having someone to bridge that gap. Because certainly when I started, it was senior heavy. And when I say senior, I mean 60s yeah. plus. You know, that's been yeah. right. That's not quite the case as severely as it was back then. But, you know, most young people are nervous or, or don't have experience in, in approaching or working with or talking to older generations. So to have someone certainly like Dave Cooper, who is a, is a top official, a FINA official, and has been around for a long time, but is not quite that old. He's somewhere in the middle. Yeah. As a conduit, that's terrific. Mm. Mm. Now, while we're on that culture and that relationship, I've heard some young people, you know, who are becoming swimming officials, they don't find it appealing because, you know, some senior referees talk down to them and make them feel inferior. But also on the positive side, we're talking to Isaac Wilson. He said it was great because uh, it made, he got life advice from them and how to deal with things through life. Also the sport as well. But I think, we need more positive attitude, not just, oh, here's young, some young punk, you know, coming to, you know, think they're better than me. Like, as we said, you know, that mentoring system is, is, is incredible. 
Um, so Toby, let's move on. We could talk about that for ages as well. I think this podcast could go on for an hour and a half. But... I will just say, Lachlan, on that point, yeah, go. they must be encouraging. Yes. And you know, I keep, I keep saying, harping back to way back when, when I started, encouragement was not always offered. Yeah. And I think they need to realize the older generations that these people want to come in and do just as good a job as they did. They want to learn off them. They need to encourage. They don't need to uh, rouse on them for doing the wrong thing or mm. tell them they're doing the wrong thing when they've made a mistake. They need to encourage them and provide that support. Otherwise it's just not a good look. Yeah. And I guess if to all the senior referees out there and senior officials out there, if you really love swimming, you want to see it grow. And, and, and young blood is, is the way to go. We can't run carnivals without officials. I know exactly. there's a greater focus on automation, but um, there are some jobs that can't be done by a computer. Exactly right. We need exactly right. So Toby, the big question I want to ask you today is what do you think swimming has to do to improve the landscape of young officials and what could they take away from your sport of soccer refereeing? Well, to me, it's a very simple answer. They're going to have to start to provide some kind of incentive. And unfortunately, or fortunately, whichever way you look at it, that incentive is probably going to have to be some kind of monetary reimbursement. Yeah. As we've discussed, people have so much on their plates. They don't have time to volunteer. People don't necessarily want to, young people that is, don't want to do something for nothing. There's a small percentage that will, but the vast majority need to be incentivized. They, they need something in return just because they've got so many other competing interests. Mm. So I think, you know, at the end of the day, it all comes down to money. I think swimming yeah. New South Wales are doing some wonderful things with their um, development weekends that they're putting on for newer officials. I think that's a terrific step in the right direction. Um, and it's providing that mentoring to an extent. Mm. And if they can enhance on that, that's great. I know they have had buddy systems in the past. Right. But definitely the money situation. Once you get more young people in there, then you'll also have that pull factor where, right, young Lachlan says, why would I want to become a swimming official? He mm. sees all his friends are doing it. He thinks, all right, if I'm going to spend all day at a pool doing a job, at least my friends will be there and there'll be a bit of social interaction as well. So mm. once you start to build that core group of young people working as swimming officials, I think that'll go a long way towards rectifying the problem as well. Here, 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 here. In the first place, and I think money talks, as they say. Yes, exactly right. All right, to wrap this up, Toby, what are the top five things that drew you into becoming a referee, whether that be from soccer or swimming? Well, probably the top thing that trumps all others is that I wanted to give back, certainly in swimming, to a sport that I would you know, got so much out of. Mm -hmm. um, and I enjoy it. I enjoyed the people, and that's why I did it. You know, I, I enjoy volunteering. Uh, refereeing on that side. Well, like, as I said to you, I can't remember why I did it. But, um, I've been doing it because mum said, mum, go out and do something. And um, I just love it. For both of them, I enjoy it. Yeah. At the end of the day, for me, I enjoy it. I don't, I'm not interested in the money I, I get out of it. I enjoy doing it and, and giving back to the community in that way. Oh, brilliant. Toby, thank you for coming on and sharing your wise, wise words and, and giving a little bit of just what could we see in the future of swimming? Uh, Toby, thank you so much for coming on the show. That's all right. Thank you for having me. 
thank you for listening to that episode and I hope you enjoyed it. If you want to keep in touch with us, go over to our Instagram and Facebook pages or join our digital community. Simply type in the URL community.swim.rocks, click the request to join button and follow the prompts. It's totally free, guys. Come along and help us make swimming easier and better for all. Make sure you tune into next week's episode, but until then, everyone, stay safe, stay healthy, and stay dry.